This is September 28th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hockey is back. It was so nice not only to see uh, the Bruins play a game on Sunday night, but also to turn on NHL Network, and there's just games all the time. <laughs> there's just There was there were games on until like 12 a.m. It was awesome uh, just to have hockey back. Uh, even though it's preseason, it's still very, very fun. So I hope you guys are having a good time as well. And who better to talk to? To begin the season, then Andrew Raycroft. I wanted to have Razor's take. I wanted to have, I've had one, I wanted to have Razor on for a while now, uh, to get his take on the goaltending situation. And we spent, I'd say the first half of this show discussing everything that you could possibly discuss, uh, when it comes to the goaltending with this team. Uh, and then we discussed some other stuff as well. Jake DeBrusque had a huge night Sunday. What does it mean for him? Uh, what, you know, how big is it for him to start off kind of hot? And then we get into Charlie McAvoy's deal and we get into some different things with the fourth line. So this was good. This episode had everything in it. Uh, but obviously the goaltending stuff takes, uh, took precedent. Why? Because Andrew Raycroft used to be goalie for the Bruins. That's why, uh, as you all know. So fun show with Razor, uh, on this one. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Andrew Raycroft. <laughs> And we're here with Andrew Raycroft. Razor, welcome to the show, and what is up? Not much. Uh, running around, so you can see I'm in the truck today. Uh, this is, this is like you said when, when you picked up, this is my office. So I spent about 10 hours a day, especially on the weekends, driving kids around. But uh, it's all good stuff. Happy to be on. Well, we're happy to have you. Great office. It looks good. It looks like a clean car, you know, oh, very yeah. organized, a nice yeah. one, uh, a nice scenic, beautiful day in the background. So uh, we appreciate it. How was your summer? Good. It went by very quickly, very quickly, but we all enjoyed it and, and had a little beach time and got out and about. So it was good. That's good. Yeah, no, it's, that's always the key with hockey season, as long as it is and the time of the year that it is. It's nice that for hockey people, we get the summer off. You know, whereas like if we were baseball people, we would get the, the crappy winter hockey, you get the summer, um, which is very nice. So let's dive right into, uh, there's a lot of things to talk about today. And I'm happy that we have a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, and we'll start with the goaltending because, hey, you used to be a goalie uh, in the NHL with the Bruins. So why not get your take on kind of the, the I want I don't want to say weirdness, but it's kind of weird what they have going on with Rask kind of on the outside and Swayman and Olmark battling for time. So we'll start with the guys who are currently on the team with Swayman in Olmark. Um, how do you project those guys to play this year? Because obviously Swayman was unreal in a short amount of time last year. Olmark, you know, looked really good in Buffalo. How do you project those guys to sort of pan out uh, in Boston? I really like both of them. I, I love the Allmark signing. I think he was the best goalie available in the free agent market. And for the Bruins to go out and spend the money and get him, I think is a big coup, not only for this season, but the next few seasons. And then with Swayman, a little bit more of the unknown, just because we haven't seen him in an 82 game season. We've never seen him at, as a full pro 
meaning going and traveling and flying to the West Coast, flying back to the East Coast. And, but talent-wise, attitude-wise, character-wise, he has all the makings to, to have a long career in the NHL as well. So I like the makeup. I like the fact that both of these guys don't have to play every game. They can get their work done with goalie Bob. They can continue to develop their games. They're both young guys, especially Swayman. He needs to develop a lot, and that means having good practices, having time to rest, having time to think about how he's going to work, how he's going to get better, and as well as playing and having that experience. So I think it's a nice balance for both of those guys. Certainly the oddness is going to come December, January, Basically, no matter what the Bruins schedule or record is, I think it's going to get odd. It's going to get very interesting when Tuca starts feeling better and then Tuca starts skating over at Daily Rink and these, the, 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 everybody in Boston starts finding out where he is, where he's skating and you get the (laughs) random Twitter video of him doing that. I think that is going to make it odd and I, it'll be interesting to see how Tuca response how the Bruins deal with it and then of course how Allmark and Swayman deal with it because the reality is one of those guys is probably going to get moved down and one of those guys is going to lose playing time if Tuca does come back see I just wonder with the Rask coming back thing you know let's say Swayman has a 2.25 goals against average at the time and Olmark has a 2.4 goals against average they're both really good and they're splitting time and it's working well and they're both just playing really, really good. How do you bring Rask in? How do you – I mean, obviously, Rask is Rask. You know, we all know yep. to, what Katuka can do, how good he is. But even in that situation, we have two hot young goalies successfully splitting time. And, I, again, I don't know exactly how they're going to split time. Olmark's making $5 million a year. It's hard to have that guy play less than the kind of quote-unquote rookie. But even then, I mean, how do you bring Rask back? How does that – how is that going to work? No, that, and that's, that's the unknown. That's the oddness. And that's what's going to be interesting to see how they finesse that. And, and it, it's, it's the same scenario if they're brutal, if they're both terrible, yeah, they're both out of easy. the playoffs, <laughs> then we, there's no point of bringing Tuca back if you're not going to play in the playoffs either. So I guess the sweet spot is and the easiest scenario is, is that the team's playing amazing. Uh, but one of the goalies is struggling and, or, you know, Swayman's straight. All right. He's got to get some more seasoning in the minors, get him playing, uh, all marks up lights out to the point of, we can't even get Swayman in the net. All right. Tuca comes in. So there's a few scenarios where it it does feed the loophole quite easily, but there's a few that, that are going to make it pretty tricky as well. So time will tell. Yeah, that's the thing, and I feel like this is something we can't exactly dissect now. You know, it's kind of just guessing. Um, yeah. And Swayman doesn't – it's funny because Swayman – and I, I know you just mentioned it kind of as a hypothetical. Swayman doesn't give me the vibes of like a guy who's going to have a fall-off year, you know, a tough second year, a sophomore slump, so to speak. He seems like a guy who – yeah, he's not going to put up the numbers he did last year. That's impossible to do over 45 games, so to speak, over a season. But I think he's still going to be solid. I think he's going to be a really good – uh, NHL goalie, especially this year. Um, and I'm curious how, if you were Cassidy, how would you split the time among those two? I mean, obviously you go with the hotter hand at times, but to kind of to start, would you just go, you know, Omar plays the game, Swayman plays the game, Omar plays two, Swayman plays one, kind of go back and forth like that, or how would you do it? 
Yeah, I, I think it'll be similar to what we've seen with Tuca and Yarrow. Probably that two to one split. You're not going to have you're not going to have Swayman sit on the bench for seven straight games. That's yeah. that's not doing anybody any good. If that's the case, then they go get another guy and and, and let someone else do that. But at the same time, Allmark's a starting goalie from where I sit right now. And you don't sign a guy for, for that money, for that term, if he's not going to be the one to be given the reins at the start to play a few games in a row. So I don't see it a 50-50 split. I see it more of a, of if you broke down the entire season, a, a 45-35, a 50-32 kind of split in games for Allmark. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, I think we all got very high on Swayman last year, as he deserved to be kind of got high on. But, you know, he is only a second-year guy. I mean, you look at Philadelphia with Carter Hart, and you look around the league, a lot of younger goalies being thrust into those starting jobs. It's not always, you know, great for, for them. You know, they don't always do well. And, and you know, you, ha- you have Olmark there making $5 million now. And, yes, that is 100% starter money. I'm curious for you, you know, as a former goalie in the NHL, if you had been – let's say, you know, you – when you were at your best, you know, that you're called a year, you have a veteran come in, you know, a guy like Rask at the time. I don't know who it would be, but you know, a veteran who was with the team for a while came in and started starting. I mean, how would you have reacted to, to that? I mean, I know that's a crazy hypothetical, but that could be something that the Bruins face this year. Yeah, I think, well, one, everybody involved knew this. What I'm sure all Mark had questions about this in the summertime and where's Tuca? What's his deal? So I, I would imagine that those, the people involved have an idea of what the plan is. And, and we know that NHL plans never actually stick to fruition. They don't stay exactly how they're, they're laid out or planned. However, I think they do have an idea of what it was. I'm sure if I'm all Mark, I'm asking that question before I sign this deal. Where does it stand? Where is he? And, and even if I'm having a conversation with Tuca about it, I'm sure they've talked. So I think it's pretty above board. Again, this is such an odd situation because of what Tuca's done for this franchise. So he's even more of a personality and he's even more of a personality in the fact that as you know, and as all Bruins fans know, he's a bit of a lightning rod on both sides. So it's not like he's a he's this guy who's uh, King, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, who's beloved by everybody, and, yes. and so that that makes it a bit of a different situation as well. Which so so again, I guess the 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 short answer to your question that I just made really long is. I think they understand it. They'll be okay with it. It's not going to come out of the blue, come out of nowhere on these guys and surprise either Swayman or Allmark. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, you know, you mentioned the, the, the Rask thing, and it brings a point to me back. One criticism of the Bruins over these past, you know, 15 or so years, one of the only real criticisms you can kind of use aside from the 2015 draft is the Bruins can be a little, uh, you know, dependent on the core right you know guys like you know they keep kind of they keep bringing chara back and back and back uh and you know having tough times moving on and one of the criticisms with rask was oh you know they're they're just kind of they're so used to rask they never want any change from it you know they wouldn't start swimming really in the playoffs even when uh rask was injured do you think the bruins are a little too uh you know with this rask situation you think it's you do you think it would be it now would be a time to move on or you think they're kind of right in leaving the door open for a guy like Rask? 
No, I think they're, they're, they're completely right in keeping the door open. I mean, this guy, he was, he was second in the Vesna a year and a half ago. Uh, they were the president trophy winners prior to COVID. They went to game seven of the Stanley Cup finals the year before that. Uh, Tuca consistently has the lowest goals against the highest save percentage, top 10 throughout his career. So, Yes, you can hang on to guys too long sometimes, but I think I think the the opposite is true. I mean, look at they I mean they they moved away from Chara at a time mm-hmm. when and, and they got criticism for that on the other side. Why did they keep Chara? Look at they if they had Chara, look at how tough they would have been right now and so so no, I I I disagree of that narrative that they've hung on to this core too long because the reality is this core still produces on a nightly consistent NHL basis and um, the, there certainly have been scenarios throughout the league where guys have held on, but most of the time you want to keep what you know in your building that know that you can succeed. And, and the Tuka thing in the playoffs, I mean, if you have a guy that you can roll out there and I use this analogy on the radio once and, and I've said it off air a bunch of times, but if I'm, if I'm arrested for tax fraud and I'm going in front of a jury, do I want the 55 year old lawyer who is one of the top tax lawyers in the country he might have lost his last case he might have lost two of his last five cases but he's the top lawyer top five in the in the in the country or do i want the hotshot harvard law student kid who's never done a case did some clerks First trial lawyer, am I going to pick him or am I going to pick the 55-year-old guy? I'm taking the older guy that has experience that's done it before nine every single time to save my butt and keep me out of jail. And, and that's a similar that's, – that's, listen, that's playoff hockey, and that's how you're looking at it on a daily basis. That's where you're going to go. And it usually takes a monumental injury or a monumental performance to the negative to let a young guy get an opportunity in those moments. So, So I don't see how – playing Swayman in the playoffs would have made any difference and, and going away from the core and not playing David Krejci in the playoffs makes anybody any better. It doesn't make sense to me. Oh yeah, no, I agree. By the way, the tax fraud thing that came out of nowhere. I was like tax fraud, but well, hey, I, yeah, made it I liked it. I made it work. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to use like something <laughs> really bad, you know? Yeah, you <laughs> tax fraud. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like that analogy. I like that analogy. And by the way, Rask has been one of the. I mean, it's hard to find a more consistent goalie yeah. over the last ten years than Tuka Rask. So yeah, I, no one over and, here and, is, and consi- uh, like at a high stuff. high level. Like it. Oh I mean, yeah, it, it's pretty understated how high of a level he's played at in in the in the last even the last five years. Not even going all the way back. It's absurd. I mean, he's been a pretty safe bet. But Razor, you know what's an even more safe bet? BetOnline.ag. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, do not forget to use the promo code CLNS50 to receive that bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Razor, you had a big tweet last night. Uh, I was looking 
uh, this morning when I went to go send you the invite. Tom Brady going to beat this Patriots team by 100 <laughs> points. Hundreds of the retweets, almost a thousand favorites. You're you're officially kind of all faceted with Boston. Sports, yeah, so props to you on that. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> one. Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to get you know that clickbait work if you mix that in. <laughs> I didn't really think that much of it, uh, which is funny. But yeah, I've been I've been getting yelled at all day, and um, but by the looks of of things, it could get ugly on Sunday. Yeah, that's not going to be uh, too great. But this is Bruins. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm with you on the, on the Brady thing. That's going to be something uh, to watch for sure. Speaking of things to watch, Jake DeBrusque last night, uh, or for people listening, Sunday night uh, in the first preseason game, scores the first goal of the game and then scores the shootout winner. Now, Jake DeBrusque is a guy everyone's kind of got their eye on this year. A lot of people thought he'd be traded this offseason. He isn't. He is back. Going to probably be on that third line with Halla and Felino. For a guy like DeBrusque, I'm in the camp that said DeBrusque needs to start out hot. Now, that is preseason, but that's also regular season. Like, I don't care how he looks in training camp. I don't care how he looks in drills. Uh, I will believe DeBrusque, kind of his his game, when I see it in the regular season, so to speak. But how important was a night like last night or Sunday night now for a guy like DeBrusque? It's important in the fact that, and, and I haven't watched, I'm actually going to, I need to go home and watch this when I'm done here. Um, so I didn't see the full effort. I didn't see the full uh, shift length and, and what he was bringing, but him bring him scoring, him scoring in the shootout is big because going into that game and maybe in a season, a season ago or two seasons ago, that's a game that the regulars don't want to play. The regulars typically do not play. Top two lines weren't playing last night. That would be a game where I would wonder if a young guy would be a little annoyed about having to play that game. And the fact that he went out and scored, the fact that he took it seriously, scored the shootout winner as well, tells me that he is starting a clean slate. And listen, I, I got to fight for my job. I got to fight for my positioning. Nothing's being handed to me. Despite the fact that I have an NHL contract, I have to go out and play these games just like a kid coming up from the minors has to play and, and play hard. So that's my perspective of that because, again, that's an easy game for a guy who's played in the NHL a while to mail in. And, all right, let's just get through this. Let's get back on the plane and get home. I'm annoyed no one else is here. I'm the only guy that had to do this. So the fact that that seems to not have happened is a good start for me. Yeah, I think there were three guys in game one who were sort of fighting for their job, so to speak, and that was DeBrusque, except I don't think he's really fighting for his job. I think he's fighting to keep his job because he does really kind of have that third line. Yeah, he's spot. fighting for a spot. He's fighting for his his place in the lineup and, and not whether – he's not going to the minors. He's not going down yes. to Providence. So he's not fighting for that. He's fighting for a third-line wing, a, a fourth-line wing, or the, the ninth floor to start out. So he he's in that area rather than – um, maybe some of the other guys who, who could go straight down to I-95. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be up on ni uh, level nine with us. But no. um, two guys who could be and who are fighting to stay out of level nine uh, is Chris Wagner and John Moore, both of whom uh, played in uh, that Washington game. Uh, Chris Wagner was, was good, was fine. He played his game. I think, again, that fourth line is going to be, it seems like it could be Frederick Nosek, and uh, Curtis Lazar to start. I wonder if you think, do you think a guy like Chris Wagner can kind of finagle his way back in, or that's something that's going to happen over the course of the season? 
I think, well, I, he can finagle his way in. There's always an injury or two, you know, even throughout camp. The The one caveat to that is they're going to have 10 days at the end of camp to nurse any of those injuries. They can really take their time with these guys. So they're not jumping in directly, but, but no, I think Wagner's in a, in a bit of a tough spot at this point. If he's looking at the lineup, if he's looking at the fact, again, he's playing that game and some of those other guys, even a Frederick isn't playing it uh, would lend itself. And, and listen, the worst thing you can do in camp and we're all, all pro athletes are pro hockey players are, are guilty of it is looking at the lineup and reading into what means what instead of just playing your game. But, but certainly for me, looking at it as not being that I'm like, well, that's not the best scenario for a Wagner and a more to be in, in that game. And uh, they're, they're going to have a fight on their hands to be able to, to crack the opening night lineup. Yeah. I don't think John Moore will be a horrible seventh defenseman. I mean, I know he gets a lot of, of flack for what he makes and for what he ha- has and hasn't brought in the past few years. Uh, but I think, you know, with him being healthy, that's not a horrible option to have as a fourth left shot defenseman or even challenge for Clifton for the uh, third pairing right shot side or not right shot, but for the right defenseman slot, obviously he's a left shot, uh, but he can play that right side. So he's a guy who is kind of, well, you know, you get what you get out of him. I'm not yep. like, you know, he's not yeah, he's a pro. He power play. And yeah. 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 You know what you're going to get pretty much as long as you can just get the puck out of the zone, you, you know, you're good, but I am interested with the fourth line and. In the sense that, you know, if that's going to be a matchup line, um, where, you know, they might, you know, obviously we've got used to being around here. The fourth line is like a set three guys and a fourth who, when I, one of those three guys gets injured, but I'm wondering with all the bottom six talent they have, if they contour that fourth line to be different things. And you know, if you're playing a bigger team, you might roll out Frederick, uh, Lazar and, you know, um, uh, like a, you know, a no second to keep it offensive or even a Wagner. But if you want to have it be kind of a, an offensive line, you might have no sec Wagner and a Coolman or something like that. Do you think they can kind of contour it on the fly like that per game or do you think it's going to be kind of a set fourth line? I, I think they're going to set it in place. And, and I think that, I think a lot of that is because of how much it struggled the last year and a half. The fourth line, the Coolmans, the Wagners, the Corrales, they had a lot of opportunities and they never, made it stick. And I think at the end of the day, that was a big factor in them not winning, uh, certainly against the Islanders, not getting any offensive production from those guys. You, you look at what the difference was in 19 and what it was now is, is the Nordstrom big goal or a Corrali big goal. And, and that didn't come. And I think they went out of their way to revamp that fourth line and no six, a perfect fourth line center. He's not going out anywhere. Lazar, we saw what he brought to this team when he was in the lineup. If he had have had, more consistent play on his wing. I think he would have done even more so productivity wise. So I, I, I don't see them moving that around. I think if anything, there's going to be movement within the third and fourth line up and down, depending on the matchups and who they want to play and what kind of speed they want to have. But I don't see it being, I think a Carson Kuhlman's in a situation where he's going to need an injury to get into that lineup at this point. Yeah. Yeah, Coleman's a tough one because he's had, you know, he's been around for feels like a while and he's never really broken in. I mean, he's had his chances. Yeah. He's been, I mean, it was, I think it was game seven against the Blues. He was the, uh, he second was line winger, winger, right? On the second, second line, on the second yeah. line. Like, like it's if just, he scores a shot, shot you, dude. Hey, yeah, you, if you're, that's as good as you're going to get. You find a way to score in game seven, you can, you're never going to pay for a meal here in Boston, <laughs> let alone worry about a roster spot. But, you know, it didn't, it didn't go that way. It didn't fall that way. And now you end up in a spot that, yeah, you're 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 kind of odd man out after the the signings this summer. 
That's a valid point. I'm also interested in Trent Frederick to see what he brings offensively on that fourth line. I think there is a little more to give for him. Um, so that's a guy I'm also uh, definitely looking at on that fourth line. Speaking of uh, guys we're looking at, that's Charlie McAvoy. Charlie McAvoy, obviously, this is a big year for him. Fifth in the Norris last year. Um, definitely going to get better and better. Hasn't come close to hitting his ceiling. Do-it-all defenseman. Superstar of the team. Uh, but he is up for a new contract as an RFA after this season. And obviously the big talk, as Bruce mentioned uh, the other day, saying, I, I don't know if I can say a lot about McAvoy. He's going to you know, make him 9 or $10 million uh, richer. What do you think a McAvoy deal is going to look like? I'm interested in your perspective on this. Yeah, and certainly the, the Walsh management guys are having an eye on Charlie McAvoy right now, too. <laughs> what's coming down the pipe? He's going to get paid. That's the, the, the market for the young D-man. That's, that's the reality. He's going to get paid. And uh, I, I turned a lot on Charlie this past season, what he brought coming into certain tough situations, not having Chara. I was really interested to see how he was going to handle that, and I thought he – responded with flying colors the way he elevated his game the way he took more on as a player and and just I think having Chara gone allowed him to to spread his wings a little bit and be able to skate a little bit more and, and take more on so I love his game I think he can elevate it even more I think he will I think he has the right support staff around him to do that and and yeah we're gonna see the 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 highest paid Bruin probably of all time coming in uh coming in the next few months yeah i think it'll be around eight years and it's weird because i think he's worth 10 i think ultimately he is at his work he's worth 10 you could make the case even maybe he's worth a little more but i think they get him around 8.59 if they can stay in that area i think that's a good contract for both sides and sweeney's been pretty good at re-signing his own guys uh, but i wonder with all the contracts being tossed around the nhl for number one defenseman, I wonder if they say no, eight point five is not even close. Would you? Where do you kind of see him falling? Yeah, that's the issue. I, you know, you can hometown discounts are great, but you know, to to that point, eight years and you're taking a, a one point five a two million dollar haircut every year. That's fifteen sixteen million dollars at the end of it. That that those pennies add up, and I understand it's going to be a a seventy million dollar deal anyways, but. I think we'd all rather have 85 than $70 million. So that's where it gets a little dicey for me. I, you see a, a Seth Jones at 10 million and you compare what those two guys have done together. It's hard to take 8.5 if you're Charlie McAvoy and, and, and his agent and his mom and dad and his brothers and sisters. And, you know, they're, they're all sitting there. Listen, I'll take that 1.5 extra. You know what I mean? I mean, we could get this somewhere else. So yes, I think that's, hopeful thinking I think we can think that way just because of how the Bruins have dealt and how guys have been willing to sign here but that is a pretty big hometown discount at the end the other thing could be and we're seeing it a little bit with the younger guys signing those shorter term deals so it might be that Charlie signs a little a few years less which both gives him the flexibility to go get more money when the cap starts to go up if that ever is possible to happen or, and also doesn't lock a Bruins into, to a number where, and, and again, I think this comes all down to Charlie, what he wants. Cause he's, he's, he's the one of leverage. So, so to that point, the smaller deal gives Charlie his money, but also allows him to hit another payday in a few years. Yeah. The, the short term thing is interesting. Cause he is an RFA now get, you know, 
three, four years down the line when he's a UFA, the cap has hopefully gone up, you're making way more money. So that actually could be another thing as well. People kind of forget his latest deal was a short-term deal. And I was of the camp that said with his latest deal when he signed it back in the um, in the fall of 2019, I remember thinking, get him long-term to a deal that looks really expensive now that is not going to be expensive down the road. They elected to be short-term, and now you're kind of on this thing where he's he's due a lot of money. Because, again, even though I yeah. say 0.5 or in that area, that would be a hopeful contract for contract for the Bruins. Yeah. Not so much for McAvoy. He, like for McAvoy, yeah, he can literally get 8.5 from every single team in the NHL right now, today, tomorrow. You know. Yes. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Easy. Yes, and I think he's he's worth 10, and that yeah. is not taking into consideration how much better he gets this year. Uh, lastly, do you think – who do you think is his, should be his partner, Forbert or, or Grizzly? I think if they can make Forbert work, I haven't seen a lot of them. I'm really interested to see how that looks out on the ice, but I think if you can have a Forbert there, I think I, – I love Grizz. I think Grizz brings a lot to this team, but to have him on your number one pairing – really limits Charlie McAvoy in a, in, a, in a few different ways defensively and also is really a huge ass for Grizz to go up against an Austin Matthews, to go up against a Kucherov, to go up against a Barkov on a nightly basis in this division. We forget what this division is going to look like and how hard it's going to be. And it's 82 games, not 55. So I think it's, I think it's a huge ask to have Grizzlick and listen, he can go in and spell and he can play those minutes when they're down. He goes out there, but to do it on a nightly 82 game basis, I think it's a big ask. And uh, so I'm hopeful it's full bear. I think he, hopefully he can do enough. They signed him for this reason to play those minutes, I believe. And it would just be really nice if that's a nice mix. Cause I think that's a good, you know, good blend of, him going back and getting the puck or him going and staying in front of the net and letting Charlie skate him being back and being that safety valve. So, so I'm of the hope of full bear and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. And also the other thing with Grizzly is you can put him with McAvoy in a late game situation yeah. when you're down a goal, right? And you, you, you can absolutely do that to get good offensive shifts out of them. Or if they have an ozone draw, you can throw Grizzly out with McAvoy, things like that. So yes, I, I, I was against Forbert being with McAvoy initially, as time has gone on, though, it's like, no, actually, I think it could work out. But again, yeah. we have to see what Forbert is because he's never been a top pairing defenseman in his in his uh, NHL career yet. So that's going to be interesting to watch um, as the season gets going. Razor, this was great. I'm so happy you could come on. I wanted to get your perspective for a while on the goaltending. Before you go, is there anything that you would like to plug or for the listeners to look out for? No, I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, we're, we're going to have, hopefully get the morning brew going again with Jaffe and myself. So I guess that's one random plug, but otherwise, uh, on Nesson and, and getting rocking and rolling for the season. So thanks for having me a pleasure and, uh, we'll do it again. Sounds good. Everyone go listen to Morning Brew when it starts up again, and everyone obviously watches pre and post anyway, so I don't think I have to tell them to go yeah, watch. That's, yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in and make sure you get an S in. Yeah, exactly. Make sure so. to watch the Bruins games if they're not on. Come already, yell at but... me on Twitter if you want, whatever. Yeah, go go attack Razor for his uh, non-Bruins takes. Yeah, Come on, guys. Right. <laughs> Anyways, Razor, always a pleasure. This was so much fun, I'm, I, and I hope to have, have you on soon. But for Bruins Beat, I'm Evan Marinovsky, you Bruins Beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. 